this is not unique. You are not weak. You're normal to be having a tough time right now. And it's okay. It is okay. Give yourself permission to acknowledge the fact that it's tough and that this is not a normal time and that this too shall pass at one point. But in the meantime, that it's okay to be having a hard time. Welcome to our weekly Socially Distanced podcast, where an aspiring actor and screenwriter check in and learn how former guests are hustling from home. We discuss the current U.S. election and the most important issues of 2020. This is a Hollywood Hustle podcast. Quarantine edition. Welcome to episode 100. I am your co-host, Michael Lutheran, and I'd like to welcome you to our League of Hustle community of artists, entrepreneurs, dreamers, and doers, and all of whom are working hard to make their dream a reality, a.k.a. the life of the Hollywood Hustle. On today's pod, episode 100, we sit down with returning guest of the show, Gregory Crafts, to discuss how the events of this year has impacted his hustle as an owner and manager of multiple theater venues in Hollywood, but also how this year has taken a toll on his mental health and what he's been doing to navigate through it all. But first, in our previous episode, we highlighted the election hustle with executive director of the LA Democratic Party, Drexel Hurd, and activist and singer, Melinda Hale. And since the release of that episode, we experienced the longest election week ever. But in the end, it's official that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris will be our next president and vice president. Daniel and I will have a full discussion about our reactions to this incredible news in our 2020 finale in a couple episodes. But I will let you know that I cheered. I cried. I laughed. I breathed. I marched in the streets of downtown Los Angeles. This election resulted in the largest voter turnout ever in U.S. history. And for those of you who voted, who mobilized, who volunteered, who had the difficult conversations with your family, friends, and communities, who donated, who protested, who hustled and helped register others to make their voice heard, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Next up, some exciting news For one of our team members here, our host, Daniel Tuttle, has officially launched his own business venture, Hustle Podcasting, the premier podcast production and management service. If you've been kicking around the idea of starting your own podcast, but not sure how to take it from idea to releasing it to the masses, well, that's where Daniel can help. Follow him on Instagram at hustle underscore podcasting, and also check out his website at hustlepodcasting.com. and book a free 30-minute strategy call with Daniel to find out how to unleash your voice. Again, that's hustlepodcasting.com, and he's also on Instagram at hustle underscore podcasting. Congratulations, brother. This is super exciting, and I can't wait for our listeners to check it out. Today, we are continuing the important discussions of 2020 with returning guest from Season 2, Gregory Crafts. In episode 76, Greg and his wife Jen shared with us their journey into the L.A. theater scene and the hustle of not only creating and running your own theater company, but also managing theater venues in Hollywood. Now in 2020, theaters like theirs, Studio Stage, have had to close indefinitely until the COVID-19 coronavirus is under control. Like many of you, Greg is an artist and entrepreneur, but the events of this year have forced him to adapt. As he openly shares with us, it is no easy task. 
and the toll it's taken on his mental health is one that I believe we can all relate to. But what's more is that Greg shares with us the power of sharing our experiences to uplift others and finding the pleasure and joy in the simple things of life to get us through this difficult time. With that said, let's jump to mine and Daniel's Zoom call with Gregory Crafts. And then after the interview, Daniel joins me for some post-interview reflections. Let the hustle begin. How have you been, Greg, during all of this? What's What's been going on? I know it's definitely it had to be a little bit rough for you guys. Yeah, it's um, it's been interesting. It's mm-hmm. it, it's been a. I mean, I wish I could say that. I, I I can say that we're healthy, and we are. You know, physically we're fine. Uh, we've been basically sheltered in place since mid March. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and we're we're taking all the proper precautions and stuff like that to make sure that we're physically healthy. Jen adapted to this real fast. Uh, she kind of saw the writing on the wall very early on and, and, you know, went through like, she, she went through like seven stages of grief over the life that she knew real fast and was kind of like through it and over it. And has now is just like, just laser focused on, you know, we're going to get through to the other side. And I was a lot more of the starry eyed optimist in the beginning going like, oh, this isn't going to be that bad. This isn't going to take that long, you know, a couple of weeks. And then a couple of weeks went by a couple of months, a couple of months went by, you know, by summertime, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to lose the fringe this year, you know? And, and I mean, it was, it was a series of really big blows to us right off the bat because we lost, um, between, uh, between all of our fringe rentals and our existing production rentals and bookings, and then all of the lighting bookings that I had for the spring, uh, we lost about $30,000 in cancellations in two days. Gosh. Yeah. So that was, you want to talk about crushing, like right off the bat, it was like, bam, bam. And I was like, fuck, you know, I mean, it was, that was, uh, that was travel money. That was our money to live for, you know, like for years, because for, for the, for at least for several months, because fringe is what kind of pays the bills for the first seven, eight months of the year for us. And then we, we make up the rest of it as we go along, you know, so losing all that, at least postponing it was tough. And then eventually uh, cause I'm on the board of the festival, you know, I, I, I wound up being a part of all the big conversations and stuff like that about like, okay, well let's postpone and how do we roll that out? And then ultimately when it came time to talk about canceling, it was, how do we roll that out? And, mm-hmm. you know, it was kind of like solidifying all those losses. I, I learned real quick on how to invoke a uh, force majeure clause in our contract. That was, that was exciting. So, you know, I mean, there were, there were the big external blows, like I said, Jen ad- adapted real quick and I didn't. Um, I had visions of just like, this is not going to be long. This is going to be okay. Let's hold out hope. Life will be back to normal before you know it and all this stuff. And the longer and longer it went, uh, the tougher it was for me to accept that. And, you know, I, I had, uh, we, we, we did a lot of adapting of things, you know, like uh, I called and got us a PPP loan. I got us, uh, you know, I, I wound up securing financing for us for a few months uh, and I was like, okay, well, by the, you know, we'll, life will be back to normal before all this stuff runs out. Like we're going to be fine. Or a new relief package will at least be passed to hold you over. You know, but I mean, we, we went through the PPP loan. We got, a, we got almost $20,000 for PPP. And, you know, when it came to paying the rent on our space and then all the living expenses and everything that didn't last nearly as long as you think it would, you mm-hmm. know, for 
paying for insurance and paying for our spaces and also paying for ourselves and for our apartment and stuff like that. And I wound up, I wound up going on unemployment after Jen got a full-time job. And, I, and then I went through all the unemployment. You know, it was just like, this is, it, it just, it, it felt like we were just getting bled slowly from lots of different places. It was like every transfusion I got, it was just going in one arm and out the other, you know? Yeah, and, no, absolutely. And, you know, and that was like, really tough and 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 we were told by the city like okay you your space is closed you are closed by order of the mayor you cannot open you cannot operate we're like okay cool um it was like oh great let's let's use this time to do modifications let's do this time to do the cleaning let's do this time to do this and that and the other thing and you know there in the beginning man i really am kind of just jumping into the deep end on this but they're really i mean it's all deep end at this point yeah that's 2020 the deep end yeah, 2020 is the deep end. 2020 is just the fucking deep end right from the get-go. Mm-hmm. You know, I I didn't think this was going to go so long. And so I was diving into like every casting director workshop that I could to be online and be like, I'm going to be on Zoom. I'm going to make relationships with these people because when production resumes in the summer or in the fall after hiatus, it's like, I want to be there. I want to be making things happen. Doing Zoom readings. We had a whole Facebook group full of people doing readings on Zoom. We even got in, interviewed on Fast Company uh, about our zoom group the prevalence of digital theater and all this other things all these other things that were happening you know as time went by we started looking at these things as like oh my god are these temporary fixes the new normal for us and it wasn't just sinking in for us because i realized that i was putting a lot of energy out on different things like trying to do things with theater unleashed and trying to to do things with stagecrafts and putting energy out in the world and more and more the stuff I was putting out wasn't getting responded to. There was just no energy coming back. People were like, you know, I need to focus on me for a while. I need to, I just, I can't right now. I was hearing a lot about executive dysfunction and, and folks being like, you know, just, I feel like all my energy has been sapped and I don't have any motivation and all that. And I, and I understood that because I was, because the more responses like that I got, the more I started to feel like that myself. I am not a creature that does well with with not having a goal or purpose or project. You know, I need mm-hmm. to have something that I'm moving forward on in order to feel relevant. So more and more I kind of slipped into a, you know, I mean, if we want to be completely transparent here, I really started slipping into a depression and an existential crisis. And uh, you know, cuz I felt like that this 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 machine serves no purpose. Yeah. And it was a tough pill to swallow, you know. I found I found myself, you know, like doing less of the workshops and doing less other stuff and kind of just withdrawing into myself and sleeping all day and playing video games all night and just being like, okay, well, the bank account balance is taken care of. So we're just gonna, we're just gonna ride this out. I mean, how long can this go? And I think I lost about a solid two weeks to just playing video games all night and not talking to people or seeing people and realizing that that was not really healthy. You know, a few years ago, I, I got diagnosed with clinical depression and I was, I was in therapy for a while for it. And in therapy, I developed some tools and some methods of, uh, you know, some coping mechanisms. To navigate it. To, to navigate it. To basically just be like, you know what, I, can, I, I, can't, uh, I can't just stop being depressed, but I can at least, you know, do this to be able to ride it out better. Mm-hmm. And that was a big deal for me because first off I found out that it was hereditary after I got diagnosed and started talking about it. And I was like, Oh, so this has been a known open secret in my family for years and no one ever fucking told me like, Oh, awesome. Thanks guys. You know, um, uh, 2020, the deep end. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, you know, and, and, 
and so there was that, but then also, uh, you know, my coping mechanisms were working less and less, you know? So it was, it was really tough because I felt like the only things that were motivated to do were to shoot things on my PlayStation and, uh, and I mean, shoot things. I don't mean, you know, I mean, bang, bang, shoot things. I don't mean like shoot movies, you know, I wish, I wish it was. <laughs> Something that productive, you know. The first PS4 main film. Oh my God, that'd be amazing. Um, I, I realized that a lot of my coping mechanisms weren't working and uh, really kind of had to reevaluate how I was handling stuff. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I, I found myself spiraling, uh, obsessing with everything on Facebook and Twitter and, and the news. I felt like every time I turned around, every time I hated going to sleep. Because I knew that when I'd wake up, I'd have a million notifications on my phone about how everything was awful and everything was going to hell. Step one was to take all the news apps off my phone. Step two was take all the social media apps off my phone. Step three was be like, I'm going to be on Facebook less and less. And I'm going to be on Twitter less and less. And, you know, really kind of start reclaiming my mental health. And I recognized I was having a real hard time with any sort of follow through or being able to focus. I had had a, uh, I, I still have a list of about a dozen big projects that I've started and reached a certain point at and then just dropped. And I started doing some research on like, you know, self-motivation and all this other stuff, Pomodoro timers and all these other things. And, and, you know, like I started doing things like, you know, working on the libretto for a new musical and I would set a reading date before I'd even started the new draft. And I'd be like, mm-hmm. I'm going to have the draft done by this date and I'm going to start writing. And that was a painful and difficult process for myself. And then I was like, I'm going to start a YouTube channel and I'm going to start, you know, putting videos up every week. And I started trying to do that, you know, and I was just trying to create all these things for purpose. And I realized that there were several th- things that were tough and things I was struggling with. And I feel like I'm kind of all over the place right now uh, as I'm talking about all this stuff, because it's just such an overwhelmingly huge topic. But I started doing like, I I started doing therapy again, uh, which was a very, very good, important thing. And in talking with, with my therapist, they're like, you should get a psyche valve. And I'm like, why? And they're like, well, they're like, you're kind of like a textbook ADHD inattentive. And I was like, okay, you know, and my brother was ADHD hyperactive as a kid, but I started doing this, you know, reading up on ADHD inattentive. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's me. You know, like I was always the space cadet lost in my own head. And, uh, you know, I started to read up on treatment options on that. And I was like, okay, so, you know, I can get, hopefully get a diagnosis and maybe get a prescription for something like Adderall. And while that isn't like a magic pill that's going to be like productivity in pill form. You know, it, it would at least help me focus. You know, so I called up, I got the appointment. Uh, I got the diagnosis over a Zoom call in about 20 minutes. They're like, yeah, your, your textbook. And I was like, great, cool. And uh, yeah, and within one 45-minute appointment, I, I had a uh, prescription for a Schedule two amphetamine. So, you know, hey, there you go, 2020. Um, <laughs> the deep end. The yeah. Uh, so, you know, I started uh, doing, I started taking Adderall with prescription and that's uh, helped me out a lot just in terms of focusing. I always think it's interesting that they prescribe an upper to be like, here, help you focus, but it actually kind of works. Greg, I just want to commend you for being just so kind of self-aware during, during this time. This This is a once in a century event, right? That we are all learning and going through a lot of what you're 
you're speaking to uh, resonates a lot with me as far as as far as the productivity. Like I was in your uh, virtual readings uh, towards the beginning, but then I would feel so exhausted after these readings, and then I started feeling guilty of, I, I tried doing things where I post on social media, like, Hey, if there anyone has a character that they'd ever see me want to see me play, I'll, I'll go and film that. And I would try setting myself up for projects that I would inevitably not fulfill on. And then I, I'm really hard on myself. Uh, even my wife and I, last night, we had a discussion about, um, attention and how to, how best to apply that during this time towards my acting career. We spoke with a uh, guest, Michael Kostroff, and he spoke to th specifically this year, we all have these projects that we all want to work on and we want to be productive and we want to do all the things. But sometimes you just have to understand that it's okay to sit back and, and feel. Yeah. I'm not good at year. that. Yeah. It's tough, it, but you know, but I hear you. And you know, on, and honestly, that was, what I found is that we've been focusing much more on just establishing a new routine for ourselves, you know, and we've, we've, Jen and I have been having a lot of deep discussions about emotions and feelings and, and goals and all these other things. We were even looking into buying a house for a minute and then we realized that we don't have enough money to do it, but you know, <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, but we were looking about an hour away, you know, North of here is for, uh, for the market. And it's like, we had some nice options. But man, there is a rush on buying houses at the moment uh, as people are kind of fleeing uh, the cities and going and, and suburbia is expanding considerably. Uh, well, I was, you know, I was going to say, like, I, I definitely um, also relate. I, I think a lot of creatives can. I think, you know, when your creative flow is completely interrupted, I think a lot of us can easily drop into this is what I know. This is what I do. What do I do now? And you can only binge watch so many things on Netflix. Oh my God. And, we started watching the MCU so again. <laughs> oh, I, I did too. I watched the whole thing. <laughs> oh, we, we got, we got about halfway through it. And then we were like, eh, you know, yeah. I, I mean, I, and, and I love it. I, I love that stuff. That's like my jam, mm -hmm. but it just felt like, it felt like we were in hell's waiting room, you know, mm -hmm. just waiting. And it just, it, it, it like life, it, our life right now, part of the reason why we're looking at a house is because we have a 700 square foot apartment and, yeah. you know, Jen's got this work from home job. So I'm trying to, I, I found myself sleeping during the day so she could work during the day and I'm not like interfering. And then, you know, we'd have the evenings together and then I'd be up all night, you know, doing whatever I'm doing, which turned yeah. out to be more and more like nothing, <laughs> you know? Right. And, uh, and, and I like, I'm a night owl, but there's something very lonely about the night. I did go through kind of the same like depression and, and trying to find like a purpose. Like I love working. I love having a job. I love getting up with a thing to do, going somewhere, interacting with other people and just having that purpose is so important when you get up. And, and Michael said, you know, last week we talked to Michael Kostroff. That's something he talked about was that he, you know, he has a purpose when he gets up and that's kind of what motivates him. Um, and you talked about, you know, you and Jen putting together like a new routine uh, that's something I've had to really work on is putting together a specific routine for myself so that I would stay productive and I would leave time for myself for meditating or journaling or exercising and sticking to it every day. So every day my purpose is to have this routine for now and make sure I make time obviously for my kids and for my wife, but 
it gives me something to do, not every minute of every day, but it gives me something to go towards. If, okay, you know, I'll stop and watch this. I want to do something now. What's on my list? Okay, cool. I can, I put, you know, cleaning the dusting today. So I'll go dust today right now. And so it just gives me something when I'm ready to be productive. I have something listed I can go do. And I think that is so important to have, uh, to just keep your spirits up, keep you moving, keep you active. Um, I've also recently started talking to a therapist just to vent and speak with. And uh, next week, Michael and I are, are actually going to have a therapist on the show um, to talk about loss and uh, not just uh, individual loss of people during this horrible, horrible pandemic, but also the loss of jobs, the loss of uh, uh, motivation, the loss of money, the lot, you know, so many things have been lost because of this. And I think that I think a lot of people can relate to how you felt and how Michael's felt. Um, and it's so important to ha- luckily, you know, you have Jen to, to speak with and have these discussions with, and it's so important to have those conversations. You know, it's, it's funny you say that though. And I mean, I'm, I'm going to say this by prefacing this by saying that I love my wife very, very, very much, but it's, actually very frustrating to be living with someone who has been who handles thing who has been handling this in the exact opposite fashion mm. uh than i have because we have definition we have very different definitions of what hope is and what our expectations are and she's always been like it's going to be two years this is you know and like i said she went through like the seven stages of grief in like a month when this first started and that was difficult because i'm like this isn't going to be long what, what's going on here and she's like no no this is going to be years and years and we're we're not going to have our theater back until you know 2022 and all this and i'm like that bullshit you know and and that was a big source of conflict actually you know and it was like really really tough uh but she she uh was able to soothe herself by playing the long game and I'm like, this will be over with before we know it. And, you know, there's people a lot smarter than us working on this and it's going to be fine. We're, you know, end of the year, it'll be back to normal and all, you know, yeah, it, but my timeline just kept slipping and slipping. And now I'm like, okay, now you were, you were right. You were right. But it, it was a source of a lot of tension. The fact that we disagreed on, on how things, how to handle things and how long things were going to be and the expectations. And it, it was uh, yeah, a real issue, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it's like, when, when you're on two completely different pages on how to handle a crisis, uh, on how you're handling a crisis mentally and emotionally, that, that can be a, uh, that can create a bit of a toxic environment. And that was, that was tough for us to deal with, but we we found common ground and mutual support, but it was something that we had to work through. Well, I know one of the things that you guys have been doing is taking during this crisis, all of us have been mostly cooped up in our homes and stuff like that. But I know you guys have been taking like these really nice thorough uh, trips to like just local areas around Los Angeles. Quarantine road trips. Quarantine road trips. Can you can you speak to uh, more about that? You know, the funny thing is, is that, that that actually plays into a larger thing I wanted to touch on was the new the new normal that we've kind of established for ourselves, the new routine that we've established for ourselves. Uh, the quarantine road trips that we do every Sunday are a big part of that. Uh, Michael Tioli, who we met, uh, I'd known him, I'd known of him for years because of the fringe community, but we actually met him working on Never Everland last year. Uh, not only is he an incredibly talented music composer, but he also has like an, exci- an, an encyclopedic knowledge of Los Angeles and all of its wonderful, amazing quirks. And he's got this 
blog, and I want to say it's at socalexplorationblog.wordpress.com or something like that. Like, I got to get him a domain name. Uh, but he <laughs> has this blog that he has curated road trips through different neighborhoods where you can see most everything in the road trip without having to get out of your car. But you can actually it, like explore L.A., and we've made it a habit of doing these every Sunday and like, okay, which road trip are we doing today? Are we, are we doing half of one? Or are we doing a full one? Because some of these are like, you know, 15 stops. Some of them are like 30 stops. It's, it's a great mix of Hollywood or, you know, LA history and not just like Hollywood entertainment industry history. We're talking like houses with, you know, built by world famous architects and the history of Los Angeles, like when, you know, when Beverly Hills used to be Orange Groves and stuff like that. Like, you know, like you really feel like you're getting to know the quirky, interesting parts of the city, you know, things about it that you never even knew to begin with. That's so cool. And so, I mean, these trips are, these trips are fantastic. And I remember, I, re I recommend that if, if you're in LA, like check them out. But we, we really worked on developing, you know, a new routine, just like you were saying, Daniel, about having like, what is my purpose? I have my list of stuff every day. We kind of have like mm -hmm. a weekly routine now where Sundays, it's a quarantine road trip. Monday nights, I've got my weekly D&D &D game that I live stream for my new hustle, working as a game master for hire. That is a fascinating and interesting job that I'm working my ass off on getting launched at the moment. But it's... Nice. Uh, but, you know, but the first thing I'm doing is running, is taking my home campaign and putting it on Twitch every Monday night. Fantastic. Uh, we have every, it used to be every Friday night. Now, every Saturday night, we have, uh, we've been potting with Aaron and Brett. Aaron <laughs> is Jen's best friend of 20 plus years and Brett's her husband. And they've been our other couple and we've been potting with them since like <laughs> we, we we were potting with them since people were getting shamed for potting with other people so like you know, <laughs> mid-april and we were like we've been super, potting before potting was cool yeah well <laughs> we were super hush hush about it because we're like we don't want to be like judged we people we see people right. getting judged on facebook for being out with other people but it's like but we were talking with them and they were talking with us all the time and you know we we all missed each other and it was like we need to see other people and hang out mm -hmm. with other people so for a while there we were just meeting down at studio stage every friday night and having dinner and playing board games and thankfully now we have a film or we have a movie production company that's shooting that's been shooting a movie on at, on the stage at studio stage for the last two months so we've they've just been coming over here and we've been having dinner playing board games and we've gotten really 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 good at ticket to ride which is an outstanding <laughs> game. The new, oh i uh, love that one. Oh god one. it's so good it's so good we got we've got like four different versions of it that we rotate through every week and then <laughs> We, I got the new Haunted Mansion board game, which is outstanding, by the way, if you guys like Disney stuff. And uh, uh, Disney Villainous is amazing gameplay. You guys really got to check it out. It's funny you bring that up because the people, the couple that we've been kind of potting with, my wife and I, uh, their daughter goes to school with our son. The dad is a huge board gamer. And so like his his garage is just filled with board games so it's and that's i love board games so it's always like what what, what game am i gonna learn this week i'm super excited oh god well you know and that's the thing is that i feel like we've been we've been taking more time to just live you know i we i felt like for the longest time we were busy six nights a week and out six nights a week and you know, always had something going on. And now it's, it's a slower lifestyle where it's like, okay, well, we've got the road trips on Sundays. We've got game night on Saturday nights. Now we go out for walks at night through the neighborhood. We got this nice mm -hmm. two mile loop that we do. I have uh, weekly meetings with Mike Shapiro, my writing partner. We get online every week or I go to his place and we sit in his backyard 10 feet away with masks on and talk about the, the musical that we're writing. And we'll, we'll do that. 
right now I'm in to supplement paying uh, the lease on studio stage every month. I'm, I'm driving Postmates every day, mm, nice. you know, to, to make the money to pay the lease, you know, like, I, but the thing is that the guys who own our building and, and have our lease are their brothers and they, it's the family business and they're both wonderful and they've both been wonderfully supportive and they, un, and, and this space has been a theater since 2004. So they are very familiar, familiar with the ups and downs of the industry. Mm-hmm. And uh, they are, you know, they, they've been really cool. There have been times when I've been 30 days late on the rent and they're like, just get it to us. It'll be fine. Yeah. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. especially, especially our first year, uh, there was a lot of like learning the ebbs and flows of everything and man, everything kind of fell off a cliff the minute fringe ended, you know, but they, they were cool. They were very patient with us and they've been wonderful and supportive and have let me, they, they've allowed me to kind of slowly grow into entrepreneurship and, and, and dealing with all this stuff. I think that's something that's been really important, especially during this time is just kindness from people that you are like landlords. And, you know, I've definitely heard some landlords in New York. They like forgave like a few months rent and, you know, just help to help people out. And, and I know there's been a ton of people online who've been uh, giving money away that because they can afford it. And they've been, you know, giving people 500, $250 every you know day just to help with groceries and gas and, and other stuff. As I discussed with you when we were talking about having you back on, um, you know, we, we're, we're talking about different issues and stuff like that, whether they're political issues or issues that are just important um, in the discussion of America and what's going on. And you brought up, you know, mental health and some facts I just want to uh, kind of bring up because I think that's just important to have as we talk about stuff like this. Uh, the Centers, uh, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention reports that 3.9% of adults aged 18 and older have experienced serious psychological distress uh, in the past 30 days. This is, I think, based on 2019. I think there's going to be a while before we really know the psychological effect of what's been happening right now. 7.6% of persons aged 12 and older have depression in any two week period. 8.4% of children aged six to 17 have been diagnosed with anxiety or depression. And suicide is the second leading cause of death in 10 to 34 year olds. Yep. 10 to 34 year olds. Similarly, a recent report from Mental Health America, a nonprofit founded in 1909, offers some statistics pertaining to the current state of mental health in America as of 2019. Over 44 million American adults, about 18.07%, have a mental health condition. The rate of youth experiencing a mental health issue continued to rise, uh, and about 62% of teens and children with a major depressive episode received no treatment. Um, Access to care is improving, but most Americans still have no access to care. The report states that 12.2% or 5.3 million adults with a mental illness still remain uninsured. Uh, Over 24 million individuals experiencing mental health illness are going untreated. And a lot of this, a big part of this problem is that there's a shortage of mental health clinicians um, in America. And I just checked the CDC's website and Mm -hmm. they have an article uh, during late June, 40% of U.S. adults uh, reported struggling with mental health or substance abuse. Oh, Um, yeah, 100%, I believe that. Yeah. So this 2020 has been a really hard year and it and it but it's also kind of exposed this ongoing problem that I think uh was long undiagnosed in America. Yeah. Yeah, uh Greg, I'd love to hear you talk about dealing with that stigma of mental health. Well, you know, it's funny. I being in a wonderful community of artists, I I notice a very distinct difference between how my artist friends handle mental health and how my non-artist friends and family talk about mental health. Mm-hmm. Um I remember I posted Years, two years ago, 2018, when I was first looking for a therapist, I posted something about how much of a pain in the ass my insurance company was be over that. And I, I was told by a couple of folks that 
I don't want to necessarily out the people that I know that disapproved mm -hmm. of me posting about this publicly, but I heard from the, I heard that, uh, well, my mom messaged me for, for one, and I hope she doesn't listen to this because I'm going to out her right now. And I feel bad mm -hmm. about it a little bit, but she's like, you know, what happens if an employer sees that you, that you're like looking for a therapist and stuff like that? Are you going to be able to get a job? And I'm like, my, I own my own business. You know, like, like, but it was, it was, I was actually kind of shocked because I'm like, you went to school for psychology. That's your degree. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like the, you, you, you know, the ins and outs of this stuff. And uh, I mean, she's not, she, she was an HR, she was in HR for years. So it's not like she went into, got a doctorate or became a therapist or anything like that. But it just reminded, it just, it just smacked a very old school attitude. And I know that you know, uh, members of my wife's family kind of reached out to her going like, what's going on with Greg talking about therapy? Like that's, 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 you know, it, it was like, it was like shocking and scandalous that I talked about it. Whereas like all of my other friends in the LA theater community are like, yep, got new meds and I'm struggling with this and that. And, you know, and, and Hey, you know, I, I've got, I've got a really good buddy of mine who talks very openly about his very, very difficult and intense struggles with bipolar disorder and other things. Mm -hmm. And, what I like is that within my community of artists, I can go to everybody else and be like, yeah, this is what I'm struggling with. And, and besides going, looking at me going like, oh, depression. Oh, you're so cute. You know, <laughs> like, oh, the, the, the little fish talk to us when you're on lithium, you know, I mean, talk like, to us when you're in the varsity. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, but they're like, oh, but, but here's the thing. I mean, like I say that and I chuckle about it, but you know, I don't mean like they're not being supportive. I mean, they're like, oh right. dude, every, every struggle is legit. And yeah. you feel you know, heard. I feel I feel heard and respected and they're like I feel like I can talk with folks and not not be judged you know I mean yeah, sure you get the lightweight mm -hmm. jokes every once in a while but like people take depression very seriously and it's a wonderful supportive community and I and I feel like that there's the stigma around mental health is not something that at least the LA theater artists they don't stick the stigma on each other yeah. I think that's that's a very progressive thing. I mean, it's a very old timey kind of, like you said, a, a traditional thing of like, ooh, you're in therapy. Don't, we don't talk about that. Yeah, we don't talk about it. And, and nowadays it's more normalized. Exactly. My grandmother was, you know, like depressed for years and depression ran in, in that side of the family for, you know, for generations. And it mm. was just not talked about. Yeah. You know, it was not talked about to the point where when I called my folks and I was like, hey, so I got this diagnosis because I check in with my parents every every week at least and it was like oh yeah that's that's a that's a thing and I was like you, you couldn't uh, <laughs> you couldn't include me in before like I felt like I was yeah. abnormal and weird and felt like this was kind of shameful and a big you know like couldn't talk about this and it was kind of like a brave it, it felt like a big step talking to them about it and then finding out like oh this is kind of normalized with the family I'm like well it would have helped me to know this a long time ago because then yeah. I could have like been aware of it and been more willing to be like, Hey, is this me? You know? And sure. Well, I, I'll, I'll say though, like, you know, your, your openness about your ADHD that I, you know, your posts on Facebook and stuff were so inspiring to me because. Oh, thank you. It, that post it, is heavily filtered by the way. So I'm not as brave. Oh, I'm as sure. You but the thing is I struggle with just not sharing anything, especially during 2020. And, and I know that's a lot of work that I'm currently working with, uh, my therapist on, you know, I just wanted to acknowledge that because the things that you wrote, I identified with as well. Um, and it's some of the more positive things that I've seen come out of social me media, like during this time where so much of it can be quote unquote doom scrolling, right? Like you're just going through and just seeing bad news, bad news, bad news. But 
where social media I thought was supposed to be and, and what you use it for is very much just checking in on how you are doing, you know, a pure voice just so that us friends can go and check in on each other uh, and not feel yelled at or anything, but actually like, what is Greg going through? How can I help? Can I offer him anything? But I just wanted to let you know that that post also felt connected to me. Well, it's important that when people post stuff like that, it, it kind of unknow- it's subconsciously gives other people permission to speak of certain things. Uh, you know, when you start, when you have people on social media who start talking about, you know, um, uh, experiences with abuse or, sexual assault or mental health or depression or suicide, you'll, you'll notice that a ton of other people open up. And a lot of them say, I've never said this out loud, or I've never publicly talked about this until they hear someone else do it first. And, and once that gate opens, they, they feel better. Speaking out and all these other movements that happened online, like mm-hmm. it took one person opening the floodgates to give everybody else permission to talk about stuff. Yeah. And, you know, Absolutely. the sexual assault is very, very, very different than, than mental health. But there are a lot of taboos in our society that we hold on to of just things you don't talk about and all in caps. And, mm-hmm. and I don't want to sound like I'm puffing myself up. Cause like I said, that, that, that post that you're referring to, Michael, I think there's only about 18 people that can actually see it. I mean, I have been very open about my mental health and physical health and transformations that I've been trying to put myself through for over the years. I've been very open about that in the past, but when it came to doing, to being like, you know, I, I, I think I am struggling with ADHD and I need to, you know, get an Adderall script and do all this other stuff. That was for, for some reason, I got really coy about sharing that. I think it's just because of some of the reactions that I got in the past, but I know that, you know, for the most part, I don't particularly give a shit what people think about me if it's in a negative fashion, you know, I'm mm-hmm. kind of like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to do me and you do you dude. I really don't particularly mm-hmm. care. Uh, but I, I know that there have been times that I've spoken up and, and, and revealed things about myself mostly because of the fact that I know that there might be other people who need that permission, you know? Yeah. And I think that it's, I think that's really important. So that was, that was part of what uh, has motivated some of my posts about mental health in the past and my own struggles and just being open about it. Cause I know that, you know, for, for every lightweight case like me, there's somebody else who's struggling with some really, really deep and dark mm-hmm. shit that needs, that needs an outlet and a lifeline and someone that says that even if I can't understand it completely, I'm going to try, you know? And yeah. I think that that's incredibly important that when we give each other this social permission to be like, you have an outlet here, that is such mm-hmm. a important thing. But the Adderall was like, you know, that <laughs> I, I, I got, I got really bashful about that, about sharing that. And that, and I, I, I made that post because I was like, I kind of just need some, and, and, and this is also just like uh, indicative of 2020. It was like, I kind of just need some love and support, you know? And yeah. so there was a very, very, cu- fear, very curated group of friends that I was like, so this is what I'm going through mm-hmm. that, that mm-hmm. sees that I have, I have one filter that's like 18 people out of the 2000 on my Facebook that I'm like, when I post on here, it's like, this is, th- th- this is like a little bit of a, I don't want to say a cry for help, but like a, you know, like a trusted eyes only kind of thing. So one of the things that I I wanted to put out there is, you know, it does say if you or someone, you know, is struggling with mental health issues, uh, Mary A. Freistad, a professor of psychiatry and behavioral health, uh, psychology and nutrition at the Ohio State uh, University Wexner Medical Center says it's important to take steps to maximize physical and mental health, uh, such as getting enough sleep, exercising regularly, eating healthy foods, avoiding excessive alcohol consumption, not using illicit drugs. I'm not going to judge anybody. You do you. Uh, making time for friends, family, and loved ones. I think that's a huge one. Uh, spending time in nature, getting outside, 
uh, praying or meditating or whatever helps you, journaling, um, anything that helps you focus or uh, come in contact with your own self and and your own stresses, uh, maintaining a sense of humor, uh, volunteering to help others in need, and of course, seeking uh, professional help and be- behavior moods or thinking patterns to help with you or find coping mechanisms, um, whatever that may be, uh, finding help. Um, one of the things, my, one of the things, uh, Greg, we're doing is also trying to give any opinions that maybe any of the candidates out there have, uh, the presidential candidates, um, we're trying to be as fair as possible. Unfortunately, I could not find really any cohesive comments from, um, any of really of the candidates. The only thing I was able to find was a questionnaire that Joe Biden filled out at a website called mentalhealthforus.net. Um, but it's a question and answer thing. They sent him this questions uh, survey and he answered the questions um, that focus a lot on mental health. Um, but he's the only uh, candidate that has replied to them uh, with his answers. So if you want to see Joe Biden's position, go to mentalhealthforus.net um, and we'll link that in our description so you can go and check out his answers. It highlights the importance of healthcare in general right now and the fight for healthcare and the fight to keep uh, the Affordable Care Act in, in place because you know, or some form of healthcare in place, you know, it would be mm-hmm. great if I, I, I've always been kind of a center leaning independent, but um, I'm actually one of the things I'm doing right now with my time is I'm volunteering for the Biden campaign and the text brigade. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just did my training earlier this week. It's like, you know, I was like, I got to get off the bench and I got to do something here. Cause I just got to feel like that. I've I'm, heard some interesting stories from people who have been calling, doing call centers and stuff. Like yeah. That. Just some of the interesting discussions they've been having. And, and this is my first, this is, you know, my first time like volunteering in any sort of major political campaign. And it's first off, I'm really impressed with, with the machine that they have set up. Like they really have their, their shit together. I just got so sick and tired of, of feeling like I'm completely helpless and made helpless by the news of just everything going wrong constantly. And I was like, okay, well, what's one small way that I can feel like I'm taking it back. And it's like, well, it's one thing to vote. It's another thing to try and make sure that the guy I am voting for gets elected. So how can I help that? You know, and how can I say this while being fair? I have my insurance because of the affordable care act. That, that is my health insurance as a small business owner, Jen and I get our policy through the affordable care act without the affordable care act. We don't have insurance. If you're going to repeal it fine, but we need something better in its place first. This whole repeal and replace policy that Republicans are pushing, it's it, the way it's being done, it's just transparent that it's all about undoing the previous administration's accomplishments and it's got nothing to do with helping the American people because there is no plan if they take it away. If they take it away, I'm, you know, Jen and I are two of the 20 million plus Americans that lose their medical insurance the minute that it gets repealed. It's like we lose our, we lose our primary care physicians, I lose all of my therapy, I lose my prescriptions or my ability to get affordable prescriptions. I pay 10 bucks a month for a 30 day supply of Adderall for, for the generic. And that's quite affordable for me, especially considering the fact that my business is closed, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm not making much in the way of income on my business. We're, we're right now we're basically surviving on what Jen, you know, on Jen's new full-time job because she went back to doing sales for a tutoring company and she's working from home doing that and whatever I make doing Postmates. Like that's, you know, because I sent out application after application after application after application and none of these jobs that the job that she landed doesn't have benefits, medical benefits, and none of the stuff that I have been getting, the, the makeshift stuff I've been getting have medical benefits attached to that. If you're going to repeal people's health insurance, then it's it's morally their responsibility to make sure that there's something better in its place. That's ready to go. 
Yeah, that's well, re- that's ready to go. And the thing is, is that they're that's not. And I mean, I've I've voted conservative in the past when when I agreed with them on the issues. I've never been a single party voter. I've you know I, but more and more I'm like they talk about how you become more more and more conservative as you get older. I'm like bullshit. Are you kidding me? I'm getting more and more ra- becoming more of a radical le- progressive leftist as I get older. And <laughs> what I've realized is that it's not getting older. It's the more money you make, the more conservative you get. You know, we're not we're not, we're not rich people, but we're not in the poorhouse where we, we, you know, work hard to make a humble living out here in LA and LA is a very expensive city to live in, you know? And so we're, yeah. what, what we, we exist with quiet dignity is the way I like to think about yeah. it. We're not, <laughs> we're, we're, we're not rolling in it out here, but we are, you know, comfortable. Yeah. But the idea that, you know, I remember when I first, uh, my first job out here, second job, actually, my first job, I was selling, um, uh, I worked for a car brokerage right when the car tax went through that got Gray Davis recalled. But then I started working nights at a hotel in Beverly Hills. And let me tell you, the only difference between Beverly Hills and less savory neighborhoods, for anybody who wants to be elitist, the only difference between Beverly Hills and, 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 and tougher neighborhoods is that in Beverly Hills, they can afford better guns and better drugs. I mean, just for real, having seen the nightlife uh, of, yeah. of, of the, the swankier parts of the city, that's, that's it. I, I had health insurance through there and it would come out of my paycheck. And when I quit, I remember that they offered me Cobra. And I was like, sure, that sounds great. And it was like $500 a month for Cobra insurance. And I'm like, I can't afford this. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I, I can't afford this. You know, where the hell are they expecting me to get that when, when I don't have this job anymore? You know, and even when I had that, that was like most of my paycheck, yeah. you know, because uh, I was working for 10 bucks an hour. The way, the way I always think of it, like the IRS there's a lot of issues with the IRS. We're not talking about taking it down and replacing it with something else. You improve it. You work on it. You, you make it work. You you provide solutions. You figure it out. The Affordable Care Act, when it launched, Barack Obama even said, this is not perfect. It's supposed to be built upon. And so this focus on just completely demolishing it and removing it while not having a plan in place to replace it, uh, just... Uh, it kind of exposes what the actual attempt is all about. I work in healthcare. I know uh, the ACA is not perfect for patients or for doctors. No, but uh, I'm grateful for it because it's the only way that I've got affordable insurance. Exactly. And there, and if we can work together, if both sides can come together and work on actual solutions uh, and compromise, then everyone will benefit. Hopefully everyone will benefit. Well, you know, I just don't, I I just think that it's morally repugnant, the idea that uh, Washington has politicized people's health and well-being. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, not just with health insurance, but with the pandemic and how that's been handled in general. And don't even get me started on arguing with more conservative members of my family going like, it's so unfair that Newsom has shut down your your business and won't allow you to reopen. I'm like, he shut down the business and not allowing us to reopen because there's a fucking pandemic going on that's killing people. You know, and yeah. that, you know, the mm-hmm. theater right now is a super spreader event, especially a small, intimate 40 seater where you've got 40 people sitting within 30 square feet of each other. And then uh, a dozen actors on stage literally practically spitting on them. It's literally a death box. If you can have a super spreader event outside the White House with limited number of guests, imagine what it would be inside <laughs> with just as many people. Oh yeah. Oh God. Yeah. You know, and, and I mean the theater right now, we, the County health department provided us with requirements uh, and rules and regulations to reopen for potted production groups like TV and film. 
And so we're quietly taking bookings for that. But my teachers have reached out. My church group has reached out. They're all like, when can we come back? When can we come back? And I'm like, I get, I get emails all the time of people trying to hold birthday parties in my theater. And I'm like, fuck off. You know, yeah. part, 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 pardon me for being I, like, I realized it's about the 50th time I've sworn on this podcast, but you know, <laughs> like, you know, just for emphasis sake, like, no, you know, yeah. uh, I'm not going to have my business license pulled because somebody needs to have their sweet 16. It would be irresponsible of us. And I think immoral of us to take that money and put these people, allow these people to put themselves at risk in our house. You want to go do it? You're desperate enough to do it. I'm sure somebody will take your money. That's not going to be me, you sure. know? Yeah. Uh, but you know, I'll get all the feels going. (laughs) Thank you, Greg, for giving our listeners a a window into what it is to be a business owner, to be a theater owner in Los Angeles during a health pandemic, but also uh, to be that voice of, I'm sure a lot of people are experiencing the same mental health issues that you've been experiencing this year. And I hope that for sure, I know myself, Daniel, I'm sure you as well, and our listeners can say like, just hearing you kind of makes us feel like, we understand those struggles as well. And not to say that it should be normal, but it's 2020, the deep end, like everything's a bit crazy right now. And so I'm so glad as your friend to know that you're getting the help that you need to help navigate this uh, really, really difficult time. Um, you know, last time we had, I think last time we had you on the show, uh, we started this uh, new uh, tradition where we like to share uh, a couple small wins uh, from that week. So, Greg, do you have a couple wins uh, that Daniel and I can celebrate? With you? Thank you. Um, well, uh, I had three auditions this week, so Yay! you know, hey, Whoa. that's that, that's good stuff. You know, that's like fantastic. I'm, my that's my amazing. reps have. Thank you. My reps have been saying like, oh, there's no opportunities. There's no opportunities right now. And I I know that I've got friends who have been like out there and who are on the shortlist for casting directors who have just been getting direct phone calls and direct bookings. And there is a certain amount of jealousy with that. And just like, damn it, I wish that was me. But at the same time, like I have been getting, you know, opportunities to submit and I've been self-taping and I've, I've gotten really good at self-taping in my apartment. I've got a green screen I set up over here and all that <laughs> stuff, you know, like, and <laughs> I feel like I got it down to a science and I had three auditions this week and that's the most I've had in at once in, in months. And that, that felt good. That felt that's awesome, man. Good. Congratulations, buddy. Thank that you. is that's fantastic. That is huge. Yeah, um, and as yeah, as we yeah. like to say in the industry, the audition is the job. Getting the gig is is the vacation, mm. the fun part. You yeah, know? exactly. Absolutely. Yeah, so, absolutely. Congrats, man. Thank you. Um, thank you. Thank you. You know, one thing I'll as we kind of close this out in our podcast intro this year, we have a quote from Chadwick Boseman from a commencement speech he gave in 2018, and in it he talks about purpose. You would rather find purpose than a job or a career. Purpose crosses disciplines. Purpose is an essential element of you. It is the reason you are on the planet at this particular time in history. Your very existence is wrapped up in the things you are here to fulfill. Whatever you choose for a career path, remember the struggles along the way are only meant to shape you for your purpose. And I hope that all of us and all of you listeners out there can kind of take that in this year. This year has given us so many struggles that let this be a learning experience and let those struggles sharpen what your purpose is. You know, sometimes it's creating art. Sometimes it's volunteering for a political campaign to get life back to normal. Absolutely. Sometimes just going outside for a walk and getting off social media. (laughs) Oh God. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Absolutely. And, and, And let me just say, 
it's normal. It's normal to be struggling right now. It's okay to be struggling right now. Um, as, as my friend Heidi put it, we're all kind of going through a slow motion car wreck right now. That's what it feels like is that there's just a slow motion car wreck of constant trauma right now. It's okay to be struggling. It's normal to be struggling. You are not alone in struggling. And, uh, you know, if you've got people that you can reach out to, they're struggling too. So, you know, this is not unique. You are not weak. You're normal to be having a tough time right now. And it's okay. It is okay. Give yourself permission to acknowledge the fact that it's tough and that this is not a normal time and that this is, that this is, that this too shall pass at one point, but in the meantime, that it's okay to be having a hard time and that you're not broken and you're not bad and you're not a loser and you're not, you know, I'm just, I'm just spouting off the top different things that run through my head when I'm feeling bad about myself and struggling, you know, hang, hang in there and that you are not alone is the biggest thing. You're not alone. Well, Greg Crafts, thank you so much for being on. Uh, a theater owner, writer, a stagecrafts owner, Twitch streamer, D and D runner, dungeon master, road trip guide, <laughs> board game expert. Uh, thank you so much for coming on uh, once again. Also, uh, friend, and, and talking to us. Yeah. Um, what well, I, I said, uh, and also friend to those list of credits. In friend, uh, my friend. The, the one thing I'm proudest uh, of is being friends with you guys. So oh, thank you. Oh, Out of all man. of that. Same. Of course. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming, buddy. It's been a pleasure catching up with you. And again, thank you so much for sharing uh, what you've been going through. I I know it's going to help a lot of people. So thank you so much. I hope I hope it does. And, you know, and if you if anybody wants to find me on social media, I'm pretty much at Gregory Crafts on everything. Just make it all one word. Feel free to reach out. You know, you can reach out to a stranger on the Internet and uh, I'm happy to get listening here. Absolutely. Thank you so much, brother. And give our best Thank you to so Jen. Much, Greg, we'll well. do. We'll Absolutely. do. Give her a big hug. Still, she's sleeping in a little bit today. She's been working all week. So she's, in, she's enjoying <laughs> Good some for rest. Her. Yeah. But Good I'll for give her. her your regards. And, you know, love to Anna Karen. Daniel, love to your family. And uh, yeah. I can't wait to see you guys again in person soon and give you all some big hugs and we're going to get some drinks and we're going to have <laughs> a lot of fun when we get on the other side of this. Okay. Sounds good, brother. Absolutely. Sounds love good. Love you man. guys. Thank Take you care. so much. Hey, League of Hustle, this is Michael. Welcome to our bookends with our conversation with Gregory Crafts. I'm here with Daniel Tuttle. It is I. It is that. It is Daniel with his beard. It is I. And his all I magnificent glory. <laughs> and you trimmed it. Well done. Well done. I trimmed it, yeah. Um, I, actually, I, was, I was proud of myself. <laughs> well, guys, that was our conversation with Greg Crafts. Um, there is so much to unpack. Uh, definitely a lot of discussion was had. Uh, Greg, <sighs> Man. Um, uh, Greg is a very close friend of mine. Uh, he is the managing director of Theater Unleashed, uh, which longtime listeners know is the theater company that I've been a part of for many years now here in Los Angeles. And, uh, you know, as far as Hollywood hustlers out there, like this guy, he... This dude. This, this, well, I mean, he not only manages that theater company, but him and his wife, Jen, we've had previously on the show, they managed before COVID-19 at least three other theater venues. Greg was also, for a time, doing a lot of ride sharing and stuff. He was also working on other businesses and stuff. So, like, I always see this guy as an inspiration to aspire to be as far as, like what he can do as far as creating like business plans and all that stuff. And, but for him to be on our show and to be so 
honest with us about where he is mentally right now. As a friend, I just wanted to reach through the Zoom screen and just give him a hug. Man, his his honesty and openness to talk about um, his journey and his mental health journey specifically, uh, I truly respect and appreciate. It's it's not, um, and especially to talk about the the kind of some of the pushback he's gotten from his openness to talk about it uh, was really cool and really awesome. And I, I you know I think if there's something that's that's really important to remember is it's okay to open up about how you're feeling. It's okay to not be okay. And, and to tell someone, you know, and it's okay to not try to fix it immediately. If you're the other person, it's okay to just be there. And, um, and I really, I really appreciate his honesty and his openness and his, and just talking to his own, what he was going through and what he felt and his decision to get help and, you know, decision to get on medication and how that went and what that thought process was, um, was just super insightful and, and just great to hear. One of the things that I just really appreciated from this conversation is just, you know, the message that Greg kind of gave towards the end of just like talking you, the listener, if you're going through a, a mental health crisis right now, you know, you are good. You are of value. You are a wonderful, amazing person. And, you know, we're here to listen. You know, please reach mm-hmm. out to us if you are uh, going through tough times. Uh, we know the hustle's not easy especially during these times. Uh, in the coming weeks, you're going to hear an interview that we'll have with an actual therapist. Her name is Katie Miles. And she kind of touches on a lot of the things that Greg uh, spoke to in this episode, but she'll be able to come at from like a clinician uh, point of view. Mm-hmm. And what you were just saying, though, Daniel, of being able to sit in, in it, to be mindful and to be to sit in that feeling to recognize what it is and to not try to avoid it, but to feel it, to let it pass. Um, that's going to be some of the uh, things that she talks about. And uh, she'll also be providing other solutions, other things that you could do to help break that cycle. Absolutely. And I, I, I it's so important. And, and him talking about, again, like he's like him talking about how he's, he's, he, he gets his insurance through the affordable care act and, and the importance of that. And, you know, we did talk about a little bit like, why is it that it has, I think we talked about this Michael Kostroff of like, they should be able to work on fixing it instead of just taking it away. Mm. Like it makes no sense to me. And this is just me, but you know, when, when your car breaks down, you don't just trash it you go to a mechanic and you get it fixed. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that there's so it just, uh, there's, there's some stress with that of like, just work on it. And my, you know, Eric, uh, Greg talks about too, just fix it. Yeah. Just work on fixing it instead of just tossing it aside without uh, something ready, already to go. This idea of compromise, this we're mm-hmm. so polarized right now that we got to be able to meet in the middle and to work on making things better for the collective whole. Um, yeah. you know, I, I work in healthcare and I can tell you from, uh, a physician standpoint, there are things that are wrong with the affordable care act, which is why you're having so many physicians right now, just starting to not take insurance at all because of some of the way that it's designed it, it, there's a lot of requirements put on the physician side of things that makes it overbearing for them to provide the care that they need. But that doesn't mean you should just trash the whole thing and build a new, we've now had it's 2020. The ACA has been in effect for 10 years, for a decade. 
it's time to make some changes, make it better. Overall, though, like Greg gets his therapy through his insurance. And as a business owner, you know, he gets his insurance through the individual marketplace. It's it's rooted in our society now. Yeah. It's planted itself. It's not something that can easily be taken out. Yeah. And and that and I think that's the big problem. And and it's just important to know that for listeners, there is a Supreme Court case uh the week after the election in which the current administration is basically trying to rule the entire uh Affordable Care Act unconstitutional. And he will undoubtedly have a new Supreme Court judge to lock in the conservative majority of the court. Uh, and so there is a major concern right now. We're in the middle of a, uh, not only uh, a coronavirus pandemic, but we're also in the middle of a mental health pandemic as well. And to imagine that if the ACA get is ruled unconstitutional and is just taken away, what havoc and damage that that make incur on everyday citizens like you and me, Daniel, and our listeners, mm -hmm. it's 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 pretty shocking. So um, mm -hmm. that is why there there is so much concern and anxiety around mm -hmm. this this issue right now. Um, one of the things I brought up in my facts in the episode is about, you know, suicides and the rates they've gone up in different ages. And if you are struggling and you just are feeling to that point, um, I just want to put this out there. There's a phone. There is a national suicide prevention hotline you can call. It's anonymous, and you can talk to someone. Uh, the number is one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five. Again, that's one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five. It's completely free. Um, if you just need someone to talk to, um, even if you're not maybe at the point where suicide's on your mind, just if you need someone to talk to. You can give them a call and there's going to be counselors who are uh, who are knowledgeable and have experience in this and they'll be able to talk to you and listen. Um, so I just wanted to put that out there for uh, sure for anybody listening, going through a tough time right now. Yeah. And then, you know, if you guys are just in need of inspiration for your hustle, uh, want to check in, you guys can always check in with us on social media uh, on Instagram. We're at Hollywood Hustle Podcast on Twitter. We're at L.A. Hustle Cast. And we're also on Facebook, Hollywood Hustle Podcast. Uh, you can also send us an email directly if, if it's too much for a DM or something. You guys can email us Hollywood Hustle Podcast at gmail.com. Daniel and I, we would be happy to respond and offer you, you know, any uh, advice, anything that we can do to support you or support on your journey. Support. Absolutely. And if you want to, if you want to leave us a voicemail, you can do that through the anchor app. You can just uh, follow us on anchor and then you can leave a voicemail uh, through there, just a, rec a voice recording. And we'll play that here on the episode and we'll respond to it. Um, if you don't want to play it on the air, you just want us to talk about it. Let us know also in the recording. Um, but we'd love for you to do that. Just uh, download the anchor.fm app. Uh, find us Hollywood hustle podcast and follow us on there. And then you'll be able to leave us a voicemail. Uh, also uh, make sure you leave a review. If you haven't yet, let us know what you uh, think of the show and let other people know what you think on the show. Uh, also hit that subscribe button, smash that subscribe button. Uh, that way you always know when we have new episodes up. Uh, Michael, thank you so much again for being here, brother. Uh, every week is just, eye-opening right now and i think that's i think it's I, I i look forward to these recordings every week like likewise brother and it, we're having really important conversations like today's conversation with greg it's just so important that we're reaching out to these guests right now 
to check in and see how they're doing. Um, it's so important to to talk to remind people that you're there, and and people also understand if if you're going through something right now and you need some time away. We understand, we get it, but it's always important to remember you got the hustle family, you got your hustle tribe here, you got the League of Hustle to count on. Woo woo! League of Hustle, League of Hustle, unite, <laughs> assemble. <laughs> oh my gosh Uh, thank you so much for listening folks uh, for another week next week like Michael said we have a therapist named Katie Miles on who will delve deeper more into mental health and talk about the loss that we everyone's experienced uh, this year personally uh, career wise uh, the loss of normalcy we really delve into uh, ways to push through it the uh, what you're feeling and that and just kind of talk about it and just open up about it and Michael and I talk about our experiences uh, so definitely check it out it's a really really great conversation yeah guys stay safe stay creative stay positive you you got this we can get through it but please wear a mask please wear a mask mask. but most importantly always remember to keep up keep up the the quarantine quarantine hustle. hustle This episode was brought to you by Team Hustle. Daniel Tuttle is our host and executive producer. Michael Lutheran is our co-host and produced this episode. Kate Cassidy is our social media coordinator. Our theme music and transition music is by bensound.com. To make a financial contribution to support the production of this podcast, please visit hollywoodhustlepodcast.com.